All right. Well, this morning, I, I just want us to get kind of right into the Word of God because I think through the Word is where God's going to, to really minister to us and, and build us up and speak to us, and that's ultimately what we need. And so let's, let's turn to that this morning. I, I want to just kind of remind you of, of what I talked about last week as we prepare for this morning. Last week, I, I preached from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and, and verses 1 to 8 are, are well known to many of us, if, if for no other reason than, than the famous song, turn, turn, turn from the birds, right? And that text, though, it's, it's more than just a catchy rhythm. It's more than just a poetic encapsulation of, of observations of life. It, it really has a powerful meaning and application to us. And that was every bit as true last Sunday as it is this Sunday. Solomon declares at the very start of that, Ecclesiastes 3.1, that for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. What we talked about last week is that Every season, every time that's described here, they're, they're limited and they are allotted periods. And they come to us from the hand of God. So what I said last Sunday was our job in life is not to try and order or to try and control and try to pick the seasons and times we go into, but rather to learn how to glorify God in the midst of of whatever times, whatever seasons, he orders, he brings into our lives and leads us through. And that's true both personally and that's true corporately as we look at the lives and the times and seasons of people around us. Our, our God, the Bible makes very clear, is the one who appoints and who establishes every time and season. And, and we need to know that and we need to understand that so that when we experience difficult seasons and times, we know how to properly view God in relationship to them. See, it's really dangerous to us and it's really defeating and deflating to us if we don't understand that our God is the one in control. If we think, man, something hard has come, something bad has happened, this is very difficult for us to, to manage. If we think, well, God's very distant from that, like it's happened because God wasn't paying attention, then, then we have no hope. But if you and I know what the Bible teaches is that God is the one who's in control. God is the one who's leading us through. God's the one who's with us in those moments. Then we don't have to look far away and try to get God to come back. We know he's right here with us. And that's what can give us hope. That's what can give us peace. That's what can give us strength through difficult seasons and times. And so some of us, we've come in here this morning, and I know in a, in a room like this, we've probably come in in some different ways. Some of us may, may be wrestling to just believe that teaching of the Scripture. Maybe, maybe you've walked in here today, and you heard the message last week, or you didn't hear the message last week, but what you're wrestling with this morning is just trying to, to believe that God really is in control of all things, and that the promise of Romans 8, that God is working all things out for good, you're just trying to believe that that's true. Because you're struggling with that in this moment. Because you, as we sang even this morning, you can't see it and you can't feel it. And we sang, we know it to be true, but, but you're thinking, maybe, maybe I'm not sure. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've come in here this morning and you're, you're wanting to believe that that's true. Maybe you're even saying, yeah, I, I do think that's true. But, you know, even though it's true, I'm really struggling to live in a way that would glorify God in the midst of it. Because it's, it's difficult and it's hard. Maybe today you've walked in here, you're feeling overwhelmed by the emotions of, of this season and this time. 
So maybe you're feeling the temptation to, to give into bitterness or, or to slide into depression or to, or to become apathetic and just want to kind of withdraw. And you're, you're thinking, yeah, okay, God, I, I know you're in control and I, I know you've got a plan and all that, but I don't, I don't really want to be with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back from you, maybe pull back from others around me for a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's what you're struggling with this morning or, or maybe today you're struggling with just the question of why. Maybe this morning you've walked in here and you said, God, we have been praying and we have prayed very specifically and you answered our prayers not the way we asked you to, but in a different way. And you're just struggling with why. Maybe you're struggling with regrets. Maybe you're struggling with feeling hopeless this morning. Maybe you have some other struggle that I haven't named this morning. But my, 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 my conviction is, my belief is, my knowledge is you've come in here, we've all come in here struggling with something today. And so I want us to address those things. I say this all the time, but if you're not a regular part of our church, I want you to, to know this today. This place, this church building, it's not a place where we expect or want anyone to come in here and pretend. Like you do not have to come in here and go, no, I'm good. I've got it all together. I'm, I'm doing fine because that's, that's what it needs to be when I go to church. No, it's okay to come in here broken. It's okay to come in here with questions. It's okay to come in here struggling. This is where you should be. This is the place to be honest, to be open with God and with others. So what I said last week in our sermon was that for the next several weeks, we were going to be talking about celebration. And this morning, we are going to actually continue to talk about celebration. Not, not with the message that I had planned. We'll, we'll get to that next week. But today, this morning, what I want to do is I want to try and encourage you, and I want to try to, to put into you, and I, I'm praying the Holy Spirit would do this work supernaturally in your heart today. I want to try and build us up so that we would understand how and why we should celebrate in the midst of sorrow. Why we should celebrate even in the midst of sorrow. That may seem utterly paradoxical to you in this moment. You may think those two words are, are the farthest thing apart. They're completely separated. I don't understand how can you bring them together. That's what I want us to, to see, that even in this moment, this season, this time, when we are hurting, we are grieving, we are weeping, we are mourning, particularly over the passing of our dear sister, Nicole, even as we feel sadness and the painful emotions that, that are present and real in this room right now, I really believe the scripture would show us, and what I'm praying you will see today from the scripture is that there should be, in the midst of all those things, a mixture for us of joy and celebration in this time of grief and sorrow. So I wanna start to help us see that by reminding you today of a text that we, that we looked at last week, Psalm 139, 16. Hear this truth. You, talking to God, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, God, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. This, is, this text is true for every single one of us in this room. Our days, all of us, our days are numbered. And this, this tells us they are even written down before you and I, we were ever conceived. Our stories are known by God completely, totally. He sees everything from the first to the last moment because he has authored our stories personally. So he knows everything about you and me, all of us together. He knows the day of our birth. He knows every single event that will take place in our lifetime. And our God even knows the moment of our death. He sees it all. All of our days were written in his book when as yet there were none of them. Knowing that, though, you can still wonder, 
How does God think of this final moment? Where is God in this final moment? I want you to hear this text. It gives us piercing clarity that should drive away for you and I any speculation about what God may be doing or thinking or feeling at that moment he knows of, the moment of our death. Here's what Psalm 116.15 tells us. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. So you and I, who are Christians, like Nicole was a, a Christian, he not only knew the moment when that life went in, the moment when you and I, our life would end, but it is precious to him. He sees it. He is not far. He is not turned away. He has seen that as a precious moment. So I want us to be clear on this truth. I want us to all understand this. God knows and sees everything. There's never a moment that's hidden from God's view right now. Nothing has escaped God's attention. Nothing has happened outside of God's knowledge and control. I want you to know this for certain as we think about Nicole. Our God's gracious gaze never left Nicole at any point over these last three weeks. The author of her story, the God who created her, the God who sustained her, the God who worked in her and through her, as so many of you can testify to, the ways she blessed your life, the way God used her to encourage you and strengthen you. And we're going to share those stories and you'll have opportunities to, to let the family know those things. All of that stuff that was happening was because God had made her, he had authored her story to go that way. And the one who had redeemed her and loved her and saved her was not preoccupied with other things for the last three weeks. He was not unconcerned about what was taking place physically in the last three weeks. Our God was with Nicole in every moment of every day, and she was at every point precious in his sight. So understand, God was with her on January 22nd, three weeks ago, when she went to the hospital in Hannibal because she had pain in her leg. And he was there when they admitted her in and, and, and took her to the ICU late that night. God was there the morning of the 23rd when they said, because this infection that was there was, was spreading, that they needed to intubate, and, and they needed to begin this more aggressive treatment protocol. God was there, right there with her. God was there when she had a cardiac event in the hospital ICU on the 24th. God's gracious hand arranged for a bed to open up at Barnes ICU when the ICU team in Hannibal said, we need to look at transfer. We're not sure how long this will take. And they began to make the calls and God opened up a bed for her to go to there. And then God was with her in that transportation on that morning of the 25th from Hannibal to the hospital, getting situated and put into that new room there at Barnes. He was with her in all of it. And from every moment onward from the 25th, God was right there. He was with her in every single moment of every single day. And she was precious in his sight at every point. Our God's gracious gaze never left Nicole. And I want you to know that that's true for her. And I want you to also know this morning that it's true for us today too. Our God's gracious gaze will not leave you or I today or in the days to come. He knows and he sees everything. He is with us in all of this. In all of this. The Bible declares to us 
Comfort if we know it. Comfort if we understand this is who God is. And if we are relating to him as a Christian, as a believer in him, then these promises are so good and so assuring. He tells us in Psalm 34, 18, that the Lord, he is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. That may be how you're feeling this morning, brokenhearted and crushed and feeling this weight and pressure. And I'm telling you, the Lord's near you. In Isaiah 40, 11, it says, he will, he will, note this, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. He will gently lead them. Isaiah 42, 3 promises us that a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. So here's, here's what I, I need the Holy Spirit to, to work on, on you. Because I can, I can say this and I can declare this to you, but, but the Spirit needs to apply this into your heart. It needs to, needs to bring this to your mind. It needs to help you really push this into your soul so that you understand this. Our God, He is kind and He is loving and He deals personally with us in moments like this. He is not far. He's not going to just send someone else to come take care of us in our grief and sorrow because he has other things to worry about. No, God comes personally to us in these moments. He deals softly, that's gently with his people when we are weak. He comes near to the brokenhearted. When we feel most crushed in our spirits, he is the true good shepherd who comes to gently lead us forward. And when we're unable to move forward, he even carries us himself. He never looks at us when we're bruised and we're broken and decides he will crush us because we are too weak. When we're just barely hanging on, he is tender to support us, to lift us up, to heal our wounds, to strengthen us. When you and I feel like we're just barely making it at all, we're like the candle that's, that's been blown out by the gust of wind and there's just, just a little ember left there. He doesn't reach over and quench the flame. He breathes in new life. He's kind, he's gentle, and he's close. Jesus even tells us in one of his most famous teachings in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And maybe you know that verse, maybe you've heard that verse, but understand how incredible that verse is. Because you and I, we don't naturally think that way. We don't think, oh, it's blessed to mourn. It's more blessed not to mourn. Jesus says, no, no, it's more blessed to mourn. Why? Because God himself comforts those who mourn. When we mourn, our God draws close to us in love in mercy and in comfort. And that's, that's, that's a promise for right now. I want you to, to know that. I want you to, to seek after this right now. This is not just, okay, in the future you'll get some comfort from God. This is right here in this life. God will draw close to you. He will draw close to me when we are mourning, when we are suffering, when we are sorrowful. We don't have to wait for God to bring that in a few months or, or years or after this life alone. No, no, now he promises us. Right now, in this moment, he will draw close. He will bring peace. He will bring comfort. I've been feeling that myself these last few days. I know that Henry and Sheldon and Spencer and Shaylee and Carissa and Madison, they've all felt this too. 
That's the only explanation for how we stood at Nicole's bedside in that ICU room just a little bit after six on Thursday and grieved and mourned and cried and felt all of that and yet felt peace and felt comfort. How does that happen? Because our God was there. He drew close to us. He brought us the things we needed in the midst of the strongest sorrows and grief. God is never far from his people, but he is especially close to the brokenhearted and to the weak. And so in our culture, in our lives, we feel like when I'm that way, I need to to step back, I need to get fixed up, I need to be more presentable before I go to be with other people. That's not how we are to be with God. In our brokenness, in our weakness is the time he says, draw closest to me. He's never disgusted by this part of us. He never gets weary of us coming to him again broken, again weak, again sorrowful. He draws us in and gives us what we need. And the Bible tells us Jesus himself, understand this, God, when he took on human flesh and lived in this world, did not live a life free from these things. But rather, the Bible tells us that he was a man of sorrows and was one acquainted with grief. Jesus doesn't just know about the sorrow that you and I feel in a moment like this or in any of these other situations that we are dealing with. He doesn't just get grief abstractly. He doesn't just observe it and kind of understand how we respond to that. He has felt it. He has experienced it personally. He's acquainted with grief. He has experienced sorrows himself. Dozens and dozens of times in the Bible, what we find is Jesus is presented to us as one who is compassionate, one who has pity, who has mercy, who is moved by the weakest of us. That's who he is. This is his heart towards us. As you shed tears in these days now and to come, know that Jesus himself gets that. He's experienced that. The shortest verse in the English Bible is simply two clear words in John chapter 11, verse 35. Jesus wept. When you weep, you are like the Savior in that. He knows sorrow. He knows what this feels like. It's okay to express that. He himself did. You don't have to hide this from him. He cares deeply for you, for me, in these moments. He is compassionate. He is the one who will strengthen us, who can relate to us, who can give us love and peace and comfort because he knows exactly what we need, exactly what we feel. This is why the Apostle Peter can be so clear on what this means because this is who God is. You and I, he tells us in 1 Peter 5, 7, can cast all our anxieties, all our worries, all our hurts, all our questions. It's all encompassing in that. You can cast all of it on him because he cares for you. He wants you to do that. He doesn't need you to be put together and okay before you come to him. He says, bring it all to me. Cast it all on me. He sees us. And he is with us. He cares for us. And he draws close to us when we turn to him for comfort. This text that we so often come back to in moments of earthly loss and grief like this, it always bears repeating. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 tells us, Christians, we do not grieve as others do who have no hope. And every time I bring this passage to you, I will tell you the same thing. The passage does not say, we do not grieve, period. 
Because we do, we grieve, the Lord grieved in his earthly life. We grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Because we do have hope. We do have something else in us, at work in us, while we grieve. It's something that's far greater than the times and the seasons of this life may produce in people who are not walking with the Lord, who are not his. We have a hope that we know our story, those, all those things written before we took our first breath, all of that, we know that our story stretches far beyond just birth and life and death. It goes into eternity. Our hope goes into eternity. So the powerful effect that this kind of hope has in us was evident in those hospitals over the last three weeks. Nicole and Henry were were blessed to have great care, both here in Hannibal in the first few days and then down at Barnes when she was transferred there. And among those doctors and those nurses and the staff that were involved in all of that, there were several strong Christians, which is a true blessing to have that, that comfort and care and that relationship extended with a fellow brother or sister of someone you don't know, their, their life, but they're, they're there ministering in some way as they provide medical care. That's, that's a blessing. But not everyone on that floor was a Christian. One of the nurses there at Barnes, I, I don't think he was ever assigned to, to Nicole's care. I, I'm not sure. He was never in the room any of the days that I was, I was there. But he had seen me, he said, come to visit multiple times. I, I, I took several trips down there, and he had heard from, you know, others talking on the floor or whatever that I was the pastor for this family and, and that we lived about 150 miles away. And so he knew I was, I was coming in from a distance, and, and it stood out to him. And he said the other thing that he noticed was how Henry had interacted very graciously and kindly to the staff throughout this entire time. That isn't always the case with people in a situation like that. And then he told me he observed how the kids had acted when they came. And particularly on Thursday, when they came back that afternoon, they came back knowing that these were probably the final hours of Nicole's life. And this young guy, who I don't think had any personal contact with anyone else, just saw something was different. And so he asked me about it, and we had a very short conversation, just a little private talk that, that Thursday afternoon because he wanted to know what was different. He could just see there was something there. There's some, some kind of strength, some, some kind of hope, so something that, you know, he doesn't see that in everyone who's on this kind of floor. And he could see it in the midst of tears and sorrow and pain, right? It wasn't that everyone walked in and just, you know, looked like you expect someone to look at a basketball game or something, right? Like it was a difficult moment, and yet there was something evident there. He could observe it from looking in on the outside. He wanted to know why. What was this? The answer is, we have a hope. We have a God who draws close to give us comfort in the midst of moments like this. We have assurance of a future beyond this this medical wing, beyond even this life. We have a God who's promised us salvation and his very presence and comfort for all of eternity. That's why why we we can do what we can do. It goes far beyond this life for us. Ultimately, it goes to God with his loving and tender care extending to us throughout all of eternity. You know, when you and I enter into his presence, when we draw our final breath, 
we go immediately to be with God. There's no holding place. There's no, there's no period of waiting. Our last moment here is our first moment with him. And here's this beautiful promise of what takes place at that time. In Revelation 21, 4, it says, he, he, God himself, will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. All these former things have passed away. That's how much our God cares for us. That's, that's what our hope is set in. That, yes, he comforts us now. He gives us strength now, but he will also comfort us again for all of eternity. He, when we finally get to be face to face with him, he himself, he'll wipe away those tears from our eyes. He'll remove all the sadness, all the sorrow, all the mourning, all the crying, all the grief. And get this, he'll remove all the pain, and there will be no more sickness with him. That's what we have to look forward to ourselves. You and me, Christians, that's our hope. But I said in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our, our feelings like this, we should have joy and we should be able to celebrate. So, so joy for sure can come to us when we think that's what I'm headed towards. That's, that's my personal thing. But how do we get to celebration? Here's how we get to celebration with this truth. And I want you to see it. I want you to, to if you can, to, to lift your eyes kind of beyond your grief and your feelings in these moments and how this applies to you and your life. And I want you to see this. Nicole has all of this now. She is free. There's no more sadness for her. All the grief is gone. All the sickness is gone. The cancer is gone. It's no more. She is whole. She is in the loving, healing, comforting arms of God himself at this very moment. That's why we can rejoice not for us, but for her. I told Malia this morning, I said, I don't think I'll get through without getting emotional. I couldn't get through writing this without getting emotional. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? I've said this before to you, but here, right now, from this view underneath it all, we see a victory for death. We see and feel the sting of death. That's what we see and we experience right now. But when we think of Nicole and when we lift our eyes to what she is experiencing right now, that's when this text says it is true. She is standing there with the loving Savior and it is clear, death had no victory. <laughs> there was no loss for her. She gained eternity with her God. There's no sting. There's no regret. She's free. She's with the Lord. She is healed. She's in complete joy. Amen. So how can, how can knowing that, how can knowing all of that to be true not then give us both peace and comfort, but also joy and celebration for Nicole right now? We cry. We mourn. We feel the sadness. It's our loss, but eternity is her gain. 
So what you and I must remember today and and remember in the days to come is that even in the midst of our sorrows, and it's appropriate to feel sorrows and to mourn and to cry and to feel sadness, but, but when we can, when God gives us the strength to look up beyond those things to what she has now and to celebrate that, to rejoice for her, We can celebrate for her, even in the midst of our sorrows here. Jesus said this amazing statement on the night that he knew he would die. John chapter 14, verse 28. He says to his disciples, you've heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you again. If you love me, you would rejoice because I am going to the Father. Jesus knew every bit of what was about to take place. A few months ago, I I stood in a garden, just like this garden where Jesus stood, on the Mount of Olives, looking across the valley, up the hill to where Jesus would be crucified. And he, standing there, could see it. He knew all of it. And this is what he says to his disciples. And And I don't know how you have maybe read this text in the past, but I'll tell you, from standing there and thinking about this text, I don't think Jesus said this harshly in any way. I really don't think this was an expression of of kind of an angry rebuke from Jesus that night. Like, you know, the disciples were constantly failing. They constantly weren't getting it. They weren't understanding what was about to come. And I don't think he's he's thinking, man, come on, guys, like, like get it together. If you, just, if you loved me, you'd feel this way. Like, I don't think he's coming at them hard. I think he says this softly. I think he says this gently. I think he says this to them in order for them to be able to see that his life when it was about to end and their lives when they come to an end and by extension all of us as his disciples when our lives come to an end to know that our stories don't end here on this earth that when we die no matter how we die no matter the circumstances of our death we will go to be with the father in heaven and it is far better i think that's what jesus was telling his disciples that night he was, he was telling them, he was planting the seed that, that joy and celebration should rightly be mixed with sorrow and sadness. Again, don't, don't mishear me that I'm saying we should only have joy and celebration. We should have sorrow and sadness. That's the right response here. We have lost a dear sister. But when we think of her and we see what she has, then we can rejoice. Then we can celebrate. She is with the Father in heaven and his love and his care and his compassion and his comfort. It's truly for her far, far better. So may we celebrate for her. My hope and my prayer, it's always this, especially in a time of dealing with loss like this, is that if you don't know Jesus and you aren't really following him, that that through these moments, this would be the response that God brings into your life. That all these things I'm, I'm talking about, all the hope and the peace and the joy and the ability to celebrate in the midst of all of this sorrow, look, if you don't have any idea how that could even be possible, then what I'm praying is that God would begin to stir up in you a desire for that. 
Because this is the gift of, of salvation. This is the gift of, of him drawing you into a relationship with him and then begin to change you and work in you and the Holy Spirit indwelling you and, and, and giving you these things that you can't find anywhere else. So, so if you're thinking, okay, all that sounds crazy to me. At the start, I thought that's a paradox. Those two can't be put together. If you still think that, then my prayer is you would recognize you're not truly a Christian who has this gift of salvation because if you do have it, you'll begin to resonate with this. You may not fully apprehend this yet. You may be thinking, I've got to respond and get before the Lord and ask him to give me this ability now. But if you can't even fathom it, then what I'm praying is it would begin to stir up in you a desire to seek it. Because all who seek the Lord in faith will find him. Because today, the offer of salvation is still true. The God who, who saved and loved and brought Nicole to, to him, he still does the same work in us who would turn to him today. So my prayer is always this, that you who love Nicole, who miss Nicole, would experience the power and the promise of Jesus to enable you to come see her again by putting your faith today in, in the Jesus whom she loved and trusted more than anything the one who gave her peace and has taken her home. And I always pray in moments like this too, especially for those who maybe you've got a religious background and, and maybe you would say to everybody, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm good, I'm good. But you know deep down in your heart, you're just playing at this thing. You're just pretending. That's, that's the family I was raised in. That's, that's the people I've been around. That's the thing to, to do. And you know it's not real between you and the Lord. My, my prayer is for you that Jesus would draw you truly to himself in these moments. That this would be, it would be like, like the, the light finally shining through. Getting your attention. To say, I really do need to come to him. My prayer is you'd abandon pretense and you would just come to truly know and submit and receive real salvation in Christ. I know beyond a doubt that's what Nicole would want. If you loved her, if she loved you, the most important thing would be that you would know Jesus. So I, I'm praying God will work among us right now. And I'm praying for our, our immediate needs. I'm praying for comfort for us. I'm praying for, for healing from the brokenheartedness. I'm praying, I'm praying that God would draw close and bring peace. And I've been praying that God would bring salvation to those who have not ever received salvation today. Our response this morning is going to be just a time of us getting to kind of go before God in whatever way you need to, whatever struggle you walked in here with. I, I, I pray, I hope that the scripture has spoken to that need in you and, and you can give it over to the Lord in these moments. This song is one that Shaylee specifically requested we do and the way we're gonna do it is we're, we're gonna play a video that has the lyrics to it and you've, if you've been in our church, you've, you've heard us sing this song before and, and you maybe have even heard the song on the radio before but maybe you can sing it out. And if you can, then, then great. I'll invite you to do that. Maybe you have no words in this next few moments. And you just need to, to, to just respond to the Lord in some other way. These altars are open to you. If you want to come up here to pray, you're welcome to do that. If you want to kneel down in your pew, you can do that. If you want to move out into somewhere else in this room, whatever you need to do to respond in these next few moments, I want to encourage you to do that. But we're going to take these 
these moments, this time that we have right here. And we're going to just use this space to, to kind of process through what we're feeling, to, to respond to what God is saying, to go to him for comfort or peace or whatever else it is that, that we need salvation even if that's what we need to do today. And we're going to ask God to draw close to us and respond to his words this morning. So Heather, if you'll start that, we're going to take a few moments to respond and then I'll come and I'll close us out in prayer here in a few minutes. My prayer, Lord, is that if we have no other words, no other way to express what we feel, what we need, that we would, we would simply let that be our prayer, to express praise to just hallelujah, you are all these things that we have heard of today. You will give us all these things that have been promised today. So help us just, as believers, to, to, to trust that and to, to worship you. We thank you for the promise and the power of your word. We thank you that your spirit is with us in every moment. Every tear, every sorrow, every, every struggle we have, you're close to give us comfort and to give us strength to carry us forward. So we pray, Lord, pray, Lord, that you would help us to see that, to turn our eyes to you, to trust in you. We ask for comfort for the Whetstone family in particular, Lord. Give them all that they need. Draw close to them in everything in these coming days. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your word to us. We thank you for the opportunity to respond to you. Help us now to live in trust and faith of you. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen.